Hey, what's going on guys? It's Colin Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies Podcast for the 11th of October, 2019. On today's show, we're going to be looking at what I watched in September. We might talk about a little bit of Midsummer Director's Cut, we might talk some Joker chat. I don't know, we'll see what we can get to. Alright, stay tuned. Hey guys, what's going on? It's Kyle Cruz, and as I said, you are listening to the KC Anthony Beast Podcast for the 11th of October 2019. Hope your week's been well, hope you've been good. I've been uh, dealing with uh, a little bit of tonsillitis, actually. Um, I think I said in, uh, in the, the uh, last podcast that I thought I had tonsillitis, and I uh, went to the doctor, turns out I do have tonsillitis. Um, uh, I don't know if I actually mentioned it in the last one, or maybe I, maybe I tried to do... I tried to make one as I was um, still like still sound a bit rough, and I think I think I did sound a bit rough. So my apologies if I got that wrong or anything. But uh, yeah, I think I tried to make one. I tried to talk about the Joker, but I couldn't really do it because uh, I sounded very very rough. Um, so yeah, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be talking about everything I watched in September because I've got some extra ones that I want to talk about. Um, I know that we got through most of these in uh, the uh, the letterboxed one where well, we did the letterbox one where we uh we rated the uh i did like a kind of like a live rating of the movies that i watched on letterboxed and those movies were from september um uh, but i've actually got a few more here that i saw i've got like three more no, four five more that i've watched in um september that i can add on and talk about as well and as i said we might we might get to a bit of midsummer chat I was going to have a Joker discussion, as I said earlier, but I don't know if I want to do that just yet. Um, I might want to sit down with someone and do that. I'm not too sure yet. I'll work that one out. But there's, I've just got a lot of words to say that one. Might, might actually save that one for like a separate podcast, but I've, I've got a lot to say about that. And um, I want to, um, I don't want to have it uh, paired with you know, watching all like all these films we're talking about here in September. Um, I might just keep that keep that one separate. Uh, I'll work on work on doing that one later. But as I said, we're gonna do it. We're gonna talk about all the films I watched in September. Um, I don't know if I did August because I didn't really watch that much in August. According to my letterbox, I only watched three movies in August. <laughs> um, yep, I think I definitely watched more than that. But I, I'm start as I said, I'm starting to be a bit more um, active with letterboxed. And uh, I've got all the movies I've seen here at Letterboxd here in um, September. So far in October as well, but here in September. So, first of all, I watched Dark Phoenix. And uh, it sucked. As I said, it was it's one of the worst movies of the year. Um, it is just a huge waste of time. It's very fucking boring. And it was worse than I thought it would be. After coming from Apocalypse, you get a pretty much... I think everyone got a bit of a sour taste in their mouth. And then when they walk into Dark Phoenix... They want, I don't know, something a little better, but I'm sorry, but you're just not going to get it. I think this is the worst X-Men film. Um, I hate, I don't like this at all. Uh, I, I think it's worse than Dark's Last Stand, and that's saying something. Um, terrible, just terrible, terrible stuff. I, I had stuff to say about it earlier um, on the uh, Letterboxd Ratings podcast, but oh man, just avoid this one like the plague. It's, it's, you just, you don't need to see it. You don't need to see it. It just sucks that they kind of ended on this note. Uh, next, we ha- I saw Parasite on the 13th. I saw Parasite. Uh, I, I don't know what I've said about Parasite that hasn't been said already. It's great. 
you need to see it. It's it's you, you, you need to see it like now. Uh, Good boys, I talked about, which is a uh, the the, um, the middle age. Uh, what do you call it? Not middle age. Middle school. Super bad. There you go. Uh, Late Night is a good little comedy. I, I liked it. I liked Emma Thompson in it. I thought Mindy Kaling was good. Um, yeah, it, it was fine. Uh, next, I watched Yesterday, which I said was a very feel-good movie. Um, it's about the uh, the Beatles not existing and a uh, a guy named, uh, I think his name is Jack. I think it's Jack. Uh, but he's, the actor that plays him is brilliant. Um, I thought it was great. And uh, this guy named Jack, he records all of the Beatles songs. He tries to, he's, he's got to remember like all the lyrics and everything. And he's got to record all of the songs. And I think it's a really, really uplifting movie about you know loving music, you know, the, like the different kinds of music that people love, uh, coming together as a community and friendship. Of course, definitely friendship. I thought it was a, brilliant, a beautiful, beautiful movie. A very, very, uh, um, if, you're, if you're in the mood to watch a really happy movie that's making, making, it, making you smile at the end of it, uh, yesterday is definitely the one to watch. Uh, next, I watched Blinded by the Light, uh, which is kind of the same thing, but Bruce Springsteen it takes place in, um, uh, I forget what the town was, was it Luel? Luel, I think it's Luel? It, it, it's a weird, it's a weird sounding name with L, um, and it's, I think it's in England. I forget what the fucking thing is, but it's about this Pakistani boy that discovers Bruce Springsteen, and uh, pretty much he lives his life by the by Bruce Springsteen's like lyrics and words. And it's also it's also a nice movie, um, really happy movie. Uh, although I, I found it a bit darker than yesterday, um, and I thought yesterday was just a tad better. Uh, next, I watch Elizabeth Town, which is pretty bad. Um, I pretty much watched it, watched it for Kiss and Dunst as I'm watching um, I'm Becoming a God in Central Florida at the moment on Showtime. Uh, so I went back and watched one of this because apparently she's good in this film. I thought she was good in this movie. Who I didn't like was Orlando Bloom. Um, which is going to upset a few people because I know a few people that are, you know, a few friends that I know like Orlando Bloom, like his work, especially his work in the, in the Pirates of the Caribbean series. But I just thought that, I don't know, I just... I don't buy him. I just, I just think he's, he's kind of boring to me, um, and I just don't like him as a performer. But that, that's just me. Uh, take that, take obviously take that with a grain of salt. You're gonna have to follow everything, um, listen to everything I, that I say. Um, but I just, I don't know. Didn't really do much for me. Maybe around it as well. Didn't really do much either. And I, I believe I talked about this in the other podcast. But yeah, I just it wasn't a waste of time. But definitely not gonna watch it again. I'm still glad I saw her as well. I thought I thought Kirsten Dunst was great though, as her character. Uh, the farewell I talked about in a separate podcast with Parasite, another film you need to watch this year, which is fucking excellent. Uh, then I watched Between the Two Ferns movie, the movie that was put on Netflix, and it's uh, it's it's pretty funny. Um, if you're a fan of the Between the Two Ferns shows that are on Funny or Die. Or uh, well, I think it's mainly on Funny Die, really. Uh, when when you started watching those kind of videos when they came out, when you had Zach Galifianakis, you had two ferns, and then you had a celebrity, and then extreme awkwardness in these interviews. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty much like that, but the movie version. There's a lot more guests. Uh, there's a lot more celebrity spots. Uh, there's a lot of it's it's a road movie. It's a weirdly road movie. I thought Will Ferrell was weird, like really odd in this movie, but also like he was very very funny. As the funny eyed eye boss, Zach Galifianakis is also very, very fucking funny. But the movie is not as funny as the interviews, in my opinion. 
Um, obviously, the best part of the movie is the interviews. However, um, I've never seen a chicken wear clothes. That line has actually stuck with me. <laughs> like, I think it's one of the best lines all year. Um, I don't know why. I just really fucking... Uh, is it because I love Lauren Lapkus? I don't know. Um, but that line, like, stuck with me. And I thought it was... Uh, I don't know why. I just thought it was very oddly funny. Um, but yeah, uh, the interviews are probably the best part of the movie. And But I'll tell you what's even the better part is the outtakes and bloopers during the credits. Um, which is odd to say, everyone's been saying this, that the, that the outtakes and credits are, are, are way funnier than the movie. They, they are, to be honest. They are funnier than the movie. It's funnier watching the celebrities crack, getting asked these really awkward questions from Zach, and um, <laughs> not be able to stay composed during the interview, during a very, very awkward interview, and to sell the fact that they are like kind of pissed off or um, dissatisfied with the way he's answering, asking these questions, and how personal he gets with asking the questions as well. Um, obviously, it's all all one act, and you and you see that in the outtakes and credits at the end of the film, and they are just fucking hilarious. You get Paul Rudd, Brie Larson, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, a ton of celebrities that you see at the end, and you can see them, you know, crack under pressure or you know, ruin takes or because they just can't handle how ridiculous uh, Zach has been. So, if you're a fan of, I would say, if you're if you're a fan of Between Two Ferns of the show, I think you should watch, still watch the movie. There's still a lot, uh, there's still some stuff in it that you could like. Zach Galifianakis is great, also. Um, he has also had another great line. I think it was he said um, we were going to call this Betwixt Two Ferns, but it was a little too highbrow. And that's another quote that also um, stayed with me as well. So yeah, if you're a fan of the Between Two Ferns shows on Funny or Die, I think you'll get some, still get something out of the movie. You'll definitely get something out of the bloopers at the end. But I also think, like, if you don't miss it, it's not going to be, it's not going to be a big deal. Um, no one's going to, if everyone's ever, uh, you know, a Between Two Ferns fan, sorry, is going to come up to me like, oh, have you seen the movie? And you say, no. I mean, it's not going to be the end of the world. I mean, if they try and get up you, then they're a fucking dick. But it's not the end of the world. You, you can, you know... You don't have to watch it, but I think you'll still like it if you're if you're a fan. I think you'll get something out of it. Uh, next was the Chernobyl Diaries. Um, one and a half. I've got one and a half stars here in Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, this film was uh, nothing, nothing really. Um, it started off okay. I didn't mind it. I like Pripyat. I think Pripyat looks cool, even though it came from very unfortunate circumstances. But um, yeah, that. I don't know. They just I just didn't latch onto the characters in the end, uh, like halfway you know, all the way from I think it was from the twenty minute mark onwards. I just didn't care anymore. And when like, you know, when you get to the end, you're just like, all right, well that was a movie. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say with that one. It's a movie. There you go. I think what did I say on Letterbox? I'm pretty sure I just said. Pripyat's pretty cool, I guess. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the review. Pripyat is pretty cool. Um, but when you see those photos, like it, like I'm actually very honest with that. Like when I see those photos of Pripyat, like it looks obviously it's devastating, but I don't know. They just look so. It looks so ghastly and haunting, and it's so it just makes up for really good photography. Um, and I see why they were probably going to make a movie in Pripyat. But unfortunately, it's it's found footage. The format's found footage, and you know the, it's kind of hit and miss with found footage nowadays. And even though this movie come from two thousand twelve, I mean, even back then, it's still kind of um, hit and miss, really. And it's the formats just don't really hold up 
they're not good. You know, like the characters. Yeah, you know, the characters, you know, like the movie. It's pretty, it's, it's a nothing movie. Next was Ad Astra. Um, I went and saw Ad Astra on a Friday night. It was the 27th, I believe. And it was just a um, kind of... Um, it was on a whim, really. I, I just wanted something to do that night, and I went to the uh, the movies, and I saw that they were showing at Astra. People were raving about, um, you know, some people who I know that were raving about Astra said they had to go see it. You know that they wanted you to go see it, and I was just like, well, I was just thinking, yeah, yeah. Like, is it that? Is it that good though? Like, is it enough to get me out of my seat to pay the sixteen dollars and see it? Because nothing's. The marketing is very quiet on it. And nothing's really been said, um, at least on the mainstream anyway. But I've got to say, guys, Ad Astra is one of the best movies of the year. Um, it's just beautiful. It, it's just, it's some, it's, it's uh, Brad Pitt, for, for, first of all, Brad Pitt is, is excellent in this movie. Um, I think he should be nominated for an Oscar next year for a lead performance because he is fucking phenomenal. Um, he's going to have a little bit of competition now with Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. And I still think Joaquin Phoenix should get it and win because he, he's definitely the best male performance I've seen all year. But Brad Pitt is something else in this movie, man. I've never seen Brad Pitt like this. I, I, when I watched this movie, I came out of it thinking, Brad Pitt's still got it, man. Like, man, like he, he's, I forgot about Brad Pitt. Like, how did I forget about Brad Pitt? He's excellent. He's so good in this movie. The sound design is good. Um, James Gray has made something very, very special, definitely between... Uh, you know, about the bonding of father and son. Uh, you know, I, I felt a bit of that even with my own father watching the movie. Um, even though it takes place in space, um, not on Earth. Um, but it, it was, I thought it was very, very touching. Um, it was a great look at isolation as well and a really good character study on, um, I think it was, his name's Roy McBride, I think, in the movie. And um, I thought it was a great character study, great look at isolation in space, uh, bonding of father and son, um, and there's a really great sequence, guys. Um, the action sequences, I, I've got to say action sequences, because this is what pleasantly surprised me about Astra. The, there are action sequences in this movie that look really, really cool. They're shot really well, and uh, they're, just, they're, just, they're just cool. There's a really cool action sequence that takes place on the moon. Now, what this movie does is it kind of sets up a, I don't know if it's a society, but like a, a world or a, a near future where some of this could be happening. And I didn't really think of that going in. I just thought it was going to be something akin to, I don't know, like gravity or something like that. It looked like gravity. Um, but it was really, really cool. Uh, the action sequence, action sequence that took place on the moon was just blew my mind. I thought it was excellent. Um, loved it. A uh, little bit of, little bit of uh, brutality as well. Um, didn't expect that either. Uh, Ruth Neger, I just thought she, I just wish she had a bit more to do. That was probably my only problem with it. Um, I know I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd, but I, I, I think that Ruth Neger should have had a, just had a bit more to do. Uh, that, that'd be cool. Cause I really like Ruth Neger. I think she's a really good actor. Um, if you guys watch her in Preacher, if anyone watches her in Preacher, I think she's really good in that show. Um. And a few other things as well. What was that movie? Loving? It was Loving, yeah. Loving with uh, Joel Edgerton, which is really, really good in that movie. And uh, I just wish it was just, just a bit more for her to do in this movie. Um, but 
as I said, also as well, I've got a highlight the cinematography. It's fucking beautiful. But I, then I realized why it kind of looks like Interstellar. Um, the cinematographer of the film is Hoyt Van Hoytema, who is normally Christopher Nolan's cinematographer, but now is working with James Gray here with um, Ad Astra. Um, I want to say uh, James Gray. Is it James? Yeah, I'm, I was right. I just wanted to make sure he's getting that name right. I don't want to be sitting there saying James Gray and then realizing I've been saying the fucking... Uh, the wrong name the whole time. Um, but yeah, Hoyt Van Hoytemer was the cinematographer for uh, this movie as well. And I realized I, it did kind of look like Interstellar. I was like, okay, he's not using the same shots, but there are some beautiful, beautiful shots um, out in space in this movie, especially in the last 20 minutes of the film. Um, really, really good stuff. Guys, I cannot recommend Ad Astra enough. If you have to... Uh, there's, there's also another movie that you need to see this year. I think Ad Astra is another one. If you're looking for a nice space, um, uh, I don't want to say psychological thriller, um, drama, psychological drama about isolation in space, uh, family bonding, and a really good character study on a man who is trying to move on from himself, uh, I guess, trying to move on from who he is I think like because he gets who he is from his father and that's what has damaged like what he has tried to keep uh, before he goes on his mission um, something happens and that's why he goes on his mission but I just think it's a really good character study on a person like that um, like the Joker I think it's one of the best character studies of the year and um, it's it's a great film. It's a really, really great film. I think James Gray has made something special with this movie and uh, I really can't wait to watch it again uh, next was Crawl. Crawl, yes, the crocodile movie in Florida, or as some people call it, the uh, Florida, the documentary. Um, I don't know, I've seen a lot of those jokes on, uh, floating around online, and I was like, yeah, I've got, I've got to use that. Uh, yeah, so Crawl is about uh, Haley, who is a professional swimmer, and she um, uh, she's a competitive swimmer, sorry, one's a professional, she's a competitive swimmer, she's part of a swim team, and... Um, she has to go find her dad. Her sister contacts her because there's a hurricane going on, cyclone going on in, in Florida, and she has to go rescue her dad. She goes to the house. She goes to get her dad, and then lo and behold, holy shit, we've got an alligator. Uh, but now, I don't want to oh, look. I don't want to spoil something. I mean, it's it's a mild spoiler because you do kind of see it in the trailer, but I don't want to spoil what else you discover in this film. Um, but, uh, yeah. I wasn't really expecting much from it when I saw the trailer. I think it was... There's, uh, I saw it was produced by Sam Raimi. And that was... That kind of that kind of got my interest a bit as well. Um, but the uh, the director, I think it's uh, Alexandra Ayer. Um, I think he's, he's made something quite entertaining. Quite an entertaining flick. Um... I was very much entertained throughout the runtime of the movie. Um, there's some really cool and, um, I would say, effective characterization given to the lead character of Amy, played by Kai Scodelario. Um, that's always a tongue twister for her name to say, isn't it? Scodelario. Um, everyone, <laughs> everyone that I talk to that has watched Skins, because she's Effie from Skins, um, always messes, always fix that, fucks that up, messes that up. But um, she was in another. Uh, movie that I saw her in because I didn't think like she was 
such a great performer because I saw it in another movie called, I think it was Tiger House, I think. And she wasn't really great in that movie. Granted, that movie was quite terrible. So, um, didn't really know what to expect, but I think she was good in this movie. I think she was really, really good. And it, and it helped because her character was given so much characterization um, of her being a competitive swimmer. And you find out a lot about her dad, or her relationship with her dad and her sister. And um, I did, in the end, I really wanted her dad and her to make it out, make it out of their safe. Um, but because you're put in such a dangerous situation, my only flaw with the movie would probably be that if you put in such a dangerous situation, you do make some dumb decisions, but not quite as dumb as these decisions. I thought even for um, a protagonist like her, I mean, Jeremy Sonia has gone on to say that his... Um, protagonists in his movies like Blue Ruin and, and Green Room are kind of are net protagonists even for an Annette protagonist um, I, I don't think that would make a decision like some of the decisions that are made in this movie definitely towards the end in the last 15 minutes but it really didn't deter from me actually enjoying the film coming out of it saying well that was really good I really liked that there was some great tension in the movie great characterization given to the characters and um, I, re I really cared so I think Alexander Ayer has made something cool here and I'm looking forward to what he makes next. Um, next, and trusting what Sam Raimi produces. Uh, so if you want to look for, if you're looking for a nice, nice tight thriller, I think it goes for about around forty. I think, nice tight thriller. Alligator, alligators, Florida, Haley, Dad crawls for you. <laughs> um, it's a good time. You love a good time. And then finally. On the 30th of September, guys, I watched the Midsummer Director's Cut. I got my hands on the Midsummer Director's Cut, and boy, oh boy, do I've got, have I got some things to say about that. But before I get into what I want to talk about with that, I just want to um, relay some spoilers out. So uh, I just want to give it a spoiler warning. So if you haven't seen Midsummer, I just want to talk about some of the things that I saw. And if you guys have seen Midsummer, then continue to listen because I've got some things to say. I'm still going to do a Midsummer podcast down the road where I talk about this in spoiler fashion and uh, a lot of the things that I want to talk about. I've got articles already saved and I've got a, I've got a little essay going actually that I'm writing on this. Um, and I've got a lot of things to say about what I appreciate so much about this film. Um, so you'll definitely be getting that podcast soon. Uh, that and a Joker chat might be two separate things that I want to talk about. Um, I don't really, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, let's talk about Midsummer, um, the director's cut. I just want to talk about the things that I liked that were changed or added that I want to talk about. Um, so spoiler warning, spoiler warning. If you have not seen Midsummer, do not continue forward. Um, I'd say, I'd say go to a timestamp, but they don't seem to work with audio, audio podcasts. I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not doing the timestamps anymore. So, um, yeah, don't, don't even worry about, um, uh, doing the timestamp. Just try and skip ahead. Um, like if you, if you're using it on the phone, if you're listening to it on the phone or something like that, uh, just try and skip ahead and see if you can get through it. But yeah, I, guys, I've tried doing timestamps. They don't work with the audio stuff. And so I've stopped doing them. Um, you don't get the, uh, if I put the time there, yeah, you don't get the whole link to the next bit. It doesn't work on Spotify. It doesn't even work on Apple Podcasts. I haven't tried it there. And once I get it, once I start videoing these things and putting it up on YouTube, that's when I might do timestamps. But for now, I'm just going to drop timestamps. So just 
a little thing that I had to change, but it has to change. I just didn't. It's, it seems a waste of time to do them. So, spoiler warning. Big, big spoilers. Haven't seen Midsummer. Don't continue forward. Do not listen to this. Or if you want to listen, sure. Um, I don't really go into too much spoilers well with the director's cut, but I do spoil a lot of things that, you know, uh, I wanted that actually, you know, happen in the film in the actual theatrical cut. So if you haven't even seen the theatrical cut, obviously don't listen. Um, but if you want to listen and you're a psycho, um, you, well, not really. I, I know a lot of people that like listening to spoilers anyway. So if you want to listen, um, I've given you the warning. Let's talk about it. Um, a lot of this is coming from my letterbox review, so excuse me if I'm talking kind of verbatim from my letterbox review, but um, those are the words that I have in front of me. Um, so there's a few extra scenes that I really like in the film. Uh, there's longer dialogue, there's new shots. Um, there's a couple extra scenes that showcase the deterioration of Christian and Danny's relationship and uh, fuels the hate fire for Christian even more, uh, makes you hate him even more because if he wasn't more of a, if he wasn't a douche already, holy fucking shit, he is more of a douche with the, um, with the director's cut and you will hate him to the core and you'll understand what happens to him at the end, why he gets burned alive in that bear suit. Um, uh, there's more... So he actually asked Danny to come to Sweden. I thought this was a great scene of him actually asking Danny to come to Sweden because he actually plays the victim card even more in this scene because he acts like, if you watch the theatrical cut, you, can, you see where he gets like, well, I was going to ask you, but like, you know, I was just like, you're a fucking cunt. And then he's like, just this slimy, just toxic man. He's just a He's just a cunt. We can just say it. We can just say it. Um, he's like one of the worst humans I've ever, ever want to meet, especially like one of the worst men you want to meet. You don't want to be a fucking relationship with this dude. He's got his own fucking problems. Um, and he just plays the victim card at every single turn in the conversation, always puts it back on himself. Like, well, it was a surprise. Well, if you're not going to let me surprise you, well, it's, it's not really going to work, is it? And it's just like constantly putting back on Danny. I'm like, you fucking piece of shit. Jesus Christ. It just it just made you hate him even more. Like, it really, really works, because he just gets right on your skin. You're like, this guy is the fucking worst, man. He is the worst. Um, another great scene that is um, added to the film that I want to talk about is another scene that, it takes place at night, and um, it's a whole it's a whole night ritual. Um, I'm not going to say what actually happens during the night ritual, because that would be even more spoilers, and I want to, I'll get into that. We'll get into some deep, deep stuff in a separate podcast. I am working on it. Yes, I am. Um, where Danny actually confronts Christian after this ritual and um, asks him how he, how he's been acting and even questions whether he loves her or not. And I think this is I think this is near the theatrical cut. I don't know why it wasn't the theatrical cut because it gives more context to what how Danny changes later in the film. And when when you when she finally decides to you know fuck Christian's world up by burning him alive in a bear suit in the fucking sacrificial hut. Um. You understand why, you know. You understand why there's a, there's a change because in the theatrical cut there is a, it's a little bit of a change. You kind of see her saying, uh, "I believe one at the dinner table," and um, it's when Connie leaves. No, it's Simon. When Simon leaves Connie, who is the other uh, two British people in the movie who are, are friends with, um, uh, I forget this uh, Pele's cousin's name, Pele's brother. Uh, I forget his name, but they, they came with him, 
and uh, it's when they when she finds out that they left and they're sitting at the table and I believe it's the it's either the PewDiePie or something else when when Christian eats that from Maya. They're sitting at the table and it's like, oh, why would why would Connie do that? Why, why why would sorry why would Simon do that? Why would Simon leave without Connie? And then she has this kind of this this under her breath comment um, that is like, oh, I could see you doing that, and that you could kind of, you, you could sense that there's a bit of a change there. And um, there's a little bit of a change, like yeah, like a change there. And then like later in the film, when she you know she sees him having sex with Maya, and you know seeing that she's cheating on him. I mean, you obviously understand that there's a huge fucking downward spiral there. But she's kind of changing there. But she changes. I think this gets gets even more context to that to her whole 180 that she does when she decides. Sorry, decides to burn Christian alive. Um, it gives more context to that. And, um, you know, it, it shows, it shows why that, why she does that whole thing and her, and it makes, it makes her feelings towards Christian in the end, you know, when she does the whole thing, it just makes, it makes more, makes more sense, you know, just gives more, as I said, gives more context to it, makes it more sense. And I, I just don't know, I, I wasn't, I don't know why that wasn't the theatrical cut. Um, I don't know why it wasn't the theatrical cut, but, um, I digress. I've got the I got the director's cut. I watched the director's cut. It's in there. Excellent. Uh, there's another thing I want to highlight as well, just before we move on. Um, when Josh and Christian, you know, when Christian, um, I'm talking to the midsummer people out there, uh, to butt the microphone as well. <laughs> you know, when Christian uh, steals Josh's idea, his thesis idea, to do it on the Haga, and then Josh calls him uh, unethical, leechy, and lazy, uh, which is a great line. Great line, by the way. Uh, you, you get an even better line. You get an even better line of the director's cut because that argument goes on even longer. And then I don't want, I can't say the line verbatim because it's such a good fucking line. And I I want to remember it, but you can't. I can't really say it verbatim. He says something along the lines of, "Don't take my life's work and appropriate it for your new shortcut." And I was like, "Oh my god! Holy shit! That's so good." It's just such a good line. It just digs in deep. It just digs into you. It gets it gets some claws and just goes, fucking, there you go. How's that? I want to see, because I want to get the Midsummer script now and read that if that was actually in the whole, in the first pages, because I believe the screenplay for this thing is like longer than usual. The assembly cut was four hours long. I just want to see if that wasn't, I need to get the screenplay now to actually see if that was actually in the screenplay. Like how scathing is that? How, just think about how scathing that is. Don't appropriate my life's work for your new shortcut. Oh, it's just... It's butter. It's fucking butter. Um, so yeah, there's just a lot more stuff in the, theat- in, in the director's cut. I prefer the director's cut over the theatrical cut. Uh, I just think there's a lot more meat to it. Even though, But the meat makes sense. The meat is necessary, I believe. And, um, it's, it's, I, I, I feel that I haven't really felt, sorry, I haven't really felt that with other director's cuts, it just feels like they're just putting extra scenes in because, you know, directors do that. There's stuff left in the cutting room floor that they want to talk, that they want to put into the film, but they can't put into the film because either runtime or studio requests or, um, test screenings. And they can't put it into their film. Ari was able to make this cut, put those into his film, and it just makes everything, it just makes Midsummer better. 
it, it just it just cements why it's a five star movie in my opinion, and it is my favorite movie of two thousand nineteen. Um, I don't see anything topping it. I mean, Parasite is definitely second, but Midsummer is definitely my favorite of two thousand nineteen. So yeah, that's what I'm gonna say say on the theatrical cut, um, on the director's cut. Um, welcome back, listeners that wanted to skip that stuff. So I implore you, if you have seen the theatrical cut of Midsummer, definitely watch the director's cut of Midsummer. Definitely watch it. It's about twenty minutes long. I believe the the theatrical cut goes for about two hours and twenty four minutes, and this goes for about two hours and forty five minutes. Um, two hours and fifty if you count credits, but I think it's about two hours and four two hours and forty five minutes. About the same length as Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I implore you, definitely watch the theatrical cut. Um, the director's cut. You will get much more out of it, I believe. Now, there's some people that don't even like the theatrical. They kind of like them side by side, on on par with each other. I just like the director's cut just a tiny bit more than the theatrical cut. Uh, I wouldn't say a tiny bit, actually, just a, a bit, a bit. There's just more meat, more meat that I like, more meat that I like. And I'll definitely be watching the theatrical cut and the director's cut. I'm still watching both of them, but I'll definitely be watching the director's cut um, more often. And for the um, big podcast, I'll be watching. I'll be watching both. We'll be doing comparisons with that, um, um, and talking about the compar and, and the the changes and the additions and everything. I want to talk about every single addition and change that is from the theatrical cut to the director's cut. And then hopefully we might even chat about the big four-hour cut that Ari's working on, um, which I'm very, very fucking excited to see. That looks um, like it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be something, isn't it? I think I've seen Midsummer three times, theatrical, well, yeah, theatrical three times, and then I've seen the director's cut four, f- once. I mean, you could say I've seen it four times, but I've seen the theatrical, theatrical cut three times, the director's cut once. Um, and this four-hour cut just sounds very enticing, doesn't it? Just sounds very, very fucking enticing. Uh, very much looking forward to that. <laughs> Righto. Um, I'm going to wrap it up right about now. Uh, I think the Joker chat I would like to have with someone else, I think. Um, I think it would be better with more of a discussion. Um, if I don't decide to do that, I might just release a single kind of 10-minute, 15-minute podcast where I talk about it because there are some things that I do want to say. But I think I need to, you know, uh, collect them, collect my thoughts, write them down, and uh, present it in more of a manner where it doesn't come off so discombobulated. Um, yeah, I think that's what I want to do there. So, yeah, before I go, I've just got some little bit of news that I'm um, just let you guys want to know what I'm working on. Um, we're in the process of making the website for the uh, well, for myself and for two give the podcast a home to give the episodes a home instead of just hosting them. I mean, they're still going to be on Spotify and a podcast and Castbox and everything, but to actually give them an actual home and you can listen to them on the website. Um, I'll just be linking the RSS feed, obviously from Castbox to the um, website, because that's the hosting platform, but there's no changes there. You will still get it on Spotify and on podcast. So don't fret about that. I'm just going to say that I'll be putting the podcasts up on the website as well. So if you want to listen to the podcast on the website, they will be available on the website when I finally get that up and running. Um, I'm also going to be more active on my YouTube channel. Um, if, if any of you didn't know, I have a YouTube channel. It used to be called Curly Clown Sunday because that was the studio I wanted to make. That was the name of the studio I wanted to make um, when I was making projects back in high school. And then I was making, you know, my current projects. I mean, I made 10 minutes under that studio banner. And um, if you guys haven't seen my short film, 10 minutes, the on your YouTube channel. I made that under the under the um, Kill Clown Sunday studio banner. 
but now I've just begotten, I don't know, I just I just think it sounds a bit more professional just having your full name, so now I've just changed that channel to Cole Cruz, um, my first and last name, I just think it sounds a bit more professional, and it just sounds, not only that, it just sounds like I would, that's what, that's where all the content's going to be, it doesn't sound like a movie studio then, or anything like that, or a company, that's going to be where all the stuff's going to be. Um, yeah. Also, I'll be working on um, Fun Police. We'll be shooting some more of that. And after that has been done, it's got something excited, very exciting to announce that after that has all been shot, I'm going to, what I'm going to try is I'm going to, I mean, I've just purchased a streaming webcam and things like that and setting up streaming. Um, I'm saying streaming a lot. Well, that's because I'll be doing some streaming, uh, live streaming with you guys. At the moment, I'm just trying to set up Streamlabs OBS and and YouTube and trying to work out all the kinks there. And once I have all that set up, I'm confident that I'll be able to get that up and running. Um, but once I get the Fun Police stuff all shot, what I'm going to do is show you guys the journey of editing something. Um, now, not too hot. Crash shot on Premiere. We're all learning together. So I'm, I'm at the moment, I'm trying to teach myself Premiere and um, learn all the, all the uh, ifs, ands, and buts of that. I don't know what I'm fucking... <laughs> trying to say with that bit um the ins and outs i guess the i don't know i don't know what the saying is but um uh that's what i'll be doing i'll, I'll be doing a a stream of me it's called i'll just pretty much call it editing stream i guess and i'll just be editing fun police while i talk to you guys i'll answer questions about movies it'd be kind of like a cheeky q a session while i'm editing um just gonna try stuff like that i might even play a game or two on steam i don't know yet uh, we might even do a yeah, Q&A while I'm working on Steam or something like that. I'm playing on Steam. I don't play the big games like everybody else is playing because the computer is just, it's just not equipped to play the, you know, the big FPS shooters and stuff like that. Um, I'm more of a, I'm more of like an indie game person as well. Um, I like playing the casual stuff and playing the little, tiny little, not the early access games, but like the tiny little games that people like to play. Um, I recently played a game called A Short Hike, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you ever check that out on Steam, it's a pretty cool game. Uh, it's nice. It's relaxing. I'll tell you that. So yeah, that's what I'll be doing. I'll, I'll be once Fun Police is all shot and um, well, some of some of it's shot, and I want to start editing episode. That's what I'll be doing. So jump on my YouTube channel. You'll get an alert um, once again. Once I work out all the kinks with that, you'll hopefully get an alert, and um, you'll be able to join me in the chat room. Uh, jump on the chat and um, talk to me and ask questions while I'm editing the uh, fucking TV series. You'll be able to see what is the behind the scenes of it all. Um, not TV series, web series, and be able to see the behind the scenes of it all. So, very, very exciting stuff. Um, really keen to get that up and running, but hopefully to be able to do that soon. So, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this podcast, guys. Um, as always, follow the podcast on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and I'll talk to you next week.